Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Podcast, where we interview experienced HR leaders and executives to define what the most effective leaders are made of and how to help underperforming leaders transform into the best they can be. Brought to you by Lumen Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spencer Taylor. I'll just welcome you to the show, uh, Cameron Scott founder and managing director of Outpace Group. Just so grateful that you'd invest your time with us today. You're hailing from across the pond, Chester, England in the UK. So welcome. Absolutely, Spence. Really good to uh, connect with you today. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Fantastic. Just so grateful uh, for what we've talked about off the air and some of the preparation that we've done uh, for this conversation. Just so excited to learn more about your story. Uh, so let's, uh, I'd love to start there. Just the maybe the top couple things that uh, listeners should know about you, just that Make sure you experience a couple of highlights of your life would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm 27 years old um, and I run a business called Outpace Group. So basically what we do is we help uh, coaches, consultants and professional services companies to uh, achieve more in their pipeline. So to have quality conversations with the right people on a consistent basis. And we find that that's a real core pillar to help them actually grow and then become, you know, what they want to become in terms of business. So I actually started this business about four years ago. And prior to that, um, coming out of university, I worked in a, um, you know, in a small consulting firm, uh, basically doing sales and business development. And during that time, you know, I, I kind of, I was, I was enjoying, you know, the learning and the development, but at the same time, I always knew that I wanted to kind of take my own path, you know, have, have my own thing in terms of business. And that's a, that's a path that I know a lot of people um, kind of dream of and then want to take. It's not for everyone. Um, but when I was about, you know, 23 years old, I decided that I was going to launch my own company. I was going to give it a go and, uh, and go from there. So yeah, initially launched the company on myself, uh, just, you know, me doing, you know, delivering the work. We've steadily grown over the last kind of three, four years, got to a point where we now have, you know, a team and we're delivering for clients, you know, all over the world. So we've worked with, you know, over 250 different coaching consulting firms and really, you know, helping them to do more and make a bigger impact with their client base is something that's really, really important to us. So yeah, I guess in terms of my life being, you know, a business owner, entrepreneur, that's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, as, as we all know, if you take this path, it is going to be something that, um, you know, it, it consumes a lot in terms of life. Um, but aside from that, you know, I live here in Chester in the UK uh, with my girlfriend. And, um, you know, we've, we've got a little puppy who uh, is, um, you know, a great companion for us. Uh, he's about five months old now. And uh, yeah, just um, just just living life here in the UK. Fantastic. That's awesome. I love hearing about it. Well, I'm, and I'm curious what uh, you mentioned in your comments just now that entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's clearly for you. You've done well with it. Where did you get that? I mean, where, where did that kind of drive or the entrepreneurial bug, as it's sometimes called? Uh, how, did, how did can you pinpoint any type of uh, experience or a couple experiences from your younger years, maybe, or a moment in university when you thought that's where I got to do? Like, where did it? Where was it born out of? Yeah, and no, it's a really good question. I think people always have that story of, you know, when they're like on the playground, um, you know, selling like Pokemon cards or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a story like that, to be honest. You know, I, I've always had in the back of my mind, like, look, I, I do want to do my own thing. And I've always been somebody who likes to, you know, I guess look at things a little bit outside of the box and, you know, what, what can be achieved. 
And essentially, I've, I've always, for some reason, just had it in the back of the mind. Um, you know, since I was, you know, a kid, I want to run my own business. Did I know what that would be? Absolutely not. Um, I had no idea. But I've always just, you know, it's always been kind of my thinking. And then when I came out of university, I did actually try and launch a business and made zero traction and suddenly realized, okay, you know, this is a little bit harder than, um, you, you know, than than it, it's cracked up to be. So, you know, after I kind of tried to launch a business failed and that was actually funnily enough it was another marketing company that I tried to launch uh I actually went into a job and that was that was really valuable for me you know to spend those two years in a you know in a field where I could actually start to learn an industry start to pick things up start to develop my skill set and then kind of revisit the idea of um you know of of launching into kind of entrepreneurship as it were and you know luckily this time around it's been a, a little bit more successful. Well, I'm so glad that you shared that with us, just that there was a a first attempt that didn't go so well, just because I think that's such an important part of the the formula of success so often. I mean, I think every time, actually, and in one way or another, uh, part of the formula for success is failure of having to to try something and it doesn't work. And then you try again, the whole uh, cliche uh, quote by Thomas Edison of, you know, finding 10,000 ways not to create a light bulb in order to uncover the one way that worked or, you know, whatever, like we, we have to be okay with failure. Yeah. Uh, and that, I think that requires a certain degree of personal clarity, I guess, and, and confidence in your worth as a human being, not being tied to a transactional failure, so to speak. Like if you, if you try something and it fails, it doesn't mean you're a failure. Mm-hmm. It just means the thing you tried failed. So how do you keep that separate? Cause I think sometimes people get caught up in the middle and, and they they correlate a, a transactional failure with a personal failure in terms of their their worth. Oh yeah, that's that's a big one. And I think it, it all comes down to the way that we look at failure. You know, if you're in business, you're going to fail multiple multiple times. It's just a reality, right? But we kind of have a decision to make once we you know once we hit that failure, we can either let it you know let it defeat us and maybe just just give up. Or we can actually learn from that and, and, you know, actually find a positive from a failure. So every single time that I, I, I fail, uh, whether that's, you know, with a, you know, with, with a sale, you know, if I make some kind of failure there, whether that's with, you know, something within the business, whether that's even something, you know, personally, I think what's important is to always look at what have I learned from this so it doesn't happen again. And then next time you come into that situation, you have a much better shot of actually, you know, doing the right thing and, 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 you know, taking the right course of action and hopefully succeeding instead of failing. So I think, you know, sometimes it takes multiple failures on the same thing to actually, you know, for that lesson to sink in. But I, I actually see every failure as an opportunity to learn, to develop, to get better and sh- sharpen that sword, as it were. And, you know, it, it is hard not to take things, you know, personally sometimes, especially in business, especially if you have your own business where it, you know, it is kind of an extension of yourself. You know, if you've created something from the ground up and, you know, you've put into place, you know, the services, the products, the, the processes, all of those things and somebody either, you know, it, you know, they, they don't want to, to invest into you or maybe you fail at some element of that, then it's really hard not to take that as, you know, oh, that's a personal failure. But, you know, it's part of the learning at the end of the day. And no one, you know, no one starts anything being an expert. Uh, any successful person, like literally anyone, um, you know, like the, the greats in, in every field, like Michael Jordan, like Steve Jobs, like, you know, these people have, if you actually look into their bios, have failed so many times but you don't hear about that because they they have actually achieved so much success that you know that overrides all of the little failures that they actually had to overcome to get to, to where they are. 
I love that. What great, great insights there. I'm curious too, just the, the role that other people have played in, in the person that you are and even what you've built to uh, the success that you've had, uh, at least in my experience and a lot of people that I've visited with, uh, it, it's tip, it's typically not a one man show in the, in the sense that uh, other people play a key role in helping us be confident enough, uh, taking the right risks, again, getting up after failure, resiliency, just those, uh, again, we, we've, uh, I guess so far, we've really been focused on kind of self-leadership, personal leadership, which I think is such an important place uh, to begin because it is that foundational piece that if that's not there, it's really difficult to build something on top of nothing, I guess is, is the idea there. So any, any reflections on what, what role other people have played in, in your journey so far in your success? Oh man, I think that's, you know, that, that's crucial. And, and as a, you know, as a, um, as somebody, you know, in business, it can be lonely, right? So I think having that support system in place is, you know, it, it's important. And just being able to, to just have people in your life that you can bounce ideas with, that you can actually process things with. There's so many things that I was going to do that when I then ran it past my, you know, my girlfriend or, or, or a mentor and actually had that discussion with them um, and just got another opinion, like it, it completely can change your perspective on things. And you can get quite myopic sometimes if you don't have those external views from other people. So I think just in the process, having those people that you can rely on just to bounce ideas and it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm a big believer in, in coaching in um, you know, in, in getting support in that way, but it doesn't have to be a coach. You know, sometimes it can just be a family member. It can be a friend, just someone to actually bounce ideas with, to run, you know, run thoughts and process thoughts with is, uh, you know, it is important. And I think actually some of the best ideas come from, from conversation, you know, actually bouncing that conversation with other people and, um, and getting extra insight can be, um, can be really, really crucial. So yeah, definitely, you know, it's, I think for anyone, including myself, having that support system is is crucial um but at the same time uh an interesting insight is sometimes actually it can be the opposite you know sometimes there can be people who um and it can even sometimes be people that are close to you who maybe don't uh, support you or, or or you know for example when i went to launch a business i had more than one family member say to me um you know are you really sure you want to do this like i'm uh, maybe you should just stay you stay safe stay in a job but I, don't, I don't think it's the right idea and you know i could have listened to that advice and i respected that advice and i know that it was it had my best interest at heart but um I ignored that advice and I'm very, very glad I did, you know, so, and, and, you know, it, it worked out for the best. So it's, you know, it, it's great to get that external feedback, but at the end of the day, you do still have to make that own decision for yourself and kind of listen to your gut a little bit, you know, see, see what feels right. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of that blend of, um, you know, your own insight, your own intuition, but also getting, you know, outside perspectives, I think is the, uh, the winning combination. Love that very much. Uh, there's a couple things that really stood out to me that I'd love to kind of peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak on. Um, one is I love that you mentioned mentors and coaches and that it doesn't have to be a formal coach uh, that you're working with necessarily. How do you find the right one? There are a lot of paid mentors, paid coaches out there. Yep. Um, and there are also a lot of unpaid, like just personal network, family, friends, connections uh, type mentors that you could work with. Sure. I think that that decision is a pretty big one. If you work with the wrong mentor, uh, you could be held back somewhat or you might might go a direction that doesn't match up with your personal vision or whatever. So, I mean, any thoughts around that, uh, I guess, any type of formulaic approach to uh, choosing a mentor? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a big one for me is 
if you're going to have a mentor, make sure that they've actually done what you want to do, to be honest, because taking advice from people that haven't actually done, you know, advice is free, right? And then, you know, you can get advice from anyone. Anyone's more than happy to give you advice, but it's not always necessarily good advice. So if you can actually, you know, engage with whether that's a paid coach or an unpaid mentor, you know, and find someone that's been through what you are actually going through. And it doesn't have to be like they're, you know, 50 years ahead of you. They could literally just be like a year or two ahead of you in what you've done and have just got, you know, that extra five, 10% in their path. And they could be a mentor for you. You know, they can, um, you know, you can get a lot from that, um, you know, from that relationship. And I'm also, you know, a fan of if you do have, you know, um, if you have a coach, a paid coach, brilliant. You know, you, you're, you're investing in a service and I think it's it's a really valid investment in yourself. If you have, you know, a, an unpaid mentor, I think it, it should be kind of almost a, a, you know, a give and give relationship where you can you can build that relationship. You can actually offer insight to them. And sometimes mentors, it, it can literally just be a friend, you know, somebody who is in a similar situation to you. They've got their own experience in their field. You've got your experience in your field and you can bounce those ideas, you know, and really gain a lot from that. So I think it almost comes down to, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are, you know, that are positive, that have got the right mindset. I think that's that's really crucial for, you know, for and I know that Spence, you know, you talk a lot about leadership. I think for leaders, you know, surrounding themselves with other leaders, surrounding themselves with people with a positive mindset is, uh, you know, it, it's crucial. You know, it's absolutely crucial. Wonderful. I, I love that and couldn't agree more. That's just right on. So um, it's interesting, too, because I as I've thought through and even in my younger years, uh, tried to set up different informal mentoring relationships. One of the challenges that I found, um, for example, a family member who has ambition and great goals and things. But if we try to set something up that's too informal, it kind of fizzles out. It doesn't become meaningful in the sense that it drives us toward achievement mm. it just is like hey we're excited in a moment and then it's like hey let's meet in two weeks and then in the two weeks comes and it's like well something came up or i'm not quite ready or you know anyway so how do you i know that's a very specific type question but i love that you framed it in the sense of a give and give relationship um if, if you're both giving i guess any further thoughts on how to make sure that it uh, it builds momentum instead of just like well nobody's paying neither of us are paying each other and so there's less inclination for us to really stick to the plan, I guess, is is what I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a good point. And I think it's, you know, as you mentioned, it, it can become a little bit informal uh, if it's, you know, if it's just like a friend who you, but you know, you both want to support each other, provide accountability, then, you know, I, I get that, you know, how it can lead to a little bit of, you know, unstructured you know, I think that can that can be a challenge, but it can also be a good thing, you know, because I don't think it necessarily has to have like a, a core structure. You know, if you if you have somebody in your life who you kind of you know bounce ideas with and, and have that kind of mentorship uh, relationship, it, it kind of I think let it happen naturally. You know, if you have a really great, you know conversation where you explore some ideas and then you know it's really top of mind and you want to speak again in two days and say hey can, can we just continue that conversation or just give them a call or whatever it may be and then it could be that you've got enough there to actually run with for another two three months and you're both good and you can both you know get on with, with what you need to get on to and then check in and go from there so that's I think that's maybe like in a way it, it's a good thing but it also can be you know one in the plus column for having a coach where you can actually meet with them every two weeks, every month, 
and have that structured kind of accountability. And I think that is why, you know, there's the industry for coaching, for consulting is, is um, you know, it's booming. And it's, it's really become such a important industry for, for all manner of, um, of businesses and, and um, entrepreneurial people and senior executives, you know, it, coaching has become really common practice now. And I think having that structured um, place to meet and to discuss you know, big goals, big projects, and have that accountability to process those things is, uh, you know, it's really valuable to actually have that on the calendar. And it's good to have that formality in, in a sense. I love that you talked about kind of both ends of that spectrum, the, the, the mentoring, more informal mentoring, formal mentoring, and then it's like a paid coach kind of a end of the spectrum. I especially enjoyed your comments around kind of letting it happen organically, having organic mentoring conversations. Again, even the example of like a one-time conversation, if that's meaningful and helps you gain some clarity, then fantastic. And if it can become something else, if you want to have a follow-up, if you can offer some value to that person, then let it happen. But don't overstress about, oh, we haven't met. It's been two weeks. Let's you know, we don't necessarily need to formalize every single mentoring uh, relationship, I guess, is, is kind of my takeaway from that. Yeah, agreed. The other thing that I wanted to uh, dissect a little bit together is more of kind of an implied principle that I've heard from you, which is finding this place of confidence without it becoming arrogance. Um, even just this morning on, in fact, another episode that uh, we just recorded this morning. Um, the gentleman talked quite a bit about this idea that uh, those who are most successful are able to maintain a certain level of humility and thirst for learning. So I'm curious in your life, in your leadership, how have you struck that appropriate balance of I'm confident, I know I can do this, this is the right thing, I'm not going to listen to everybody's advice, like he's kind of said earlier, like some well-intended family members or friends are saying, maybe not go that route, it's too risky. You've got to have some confidence in that. But you don't want that to the pendulum to swing too far the other way where it's like, I am the bee's knees, like, you know, I, I can do everything and I don't need anybody else's help and nobody else can teach me anything. Where's that sweet spot in the middle? That's a good one. So I think business is a perfect um playground really for mastering that art of you know, that fine balance between confidence and arrogance because you know the last thing that you want to do in business or in life really is become arrogant you know nobody likes a, an arrogant person but uh, at the same time you need that confidence and i think the great thing about being in you know, running a business is that you need to have confidence in what you are offering, right? And for me, uh, in personally, in the way that I run my business, we have team members who manage a lot of delivery, and I manage a lot of the business development aspects, the sales aspects, because that's, you know, my background, that's something I enjoy. And if I don't come across as, as confident, which I am about, you know, our service and our delivery, then nobody is going to to buy our services, right? But at the same time, I need to be 100% focused on what I can do to serve the market, you know, what I can do to help my customers, my clients achieve their goals. And that is what keeps me on track and humble because I know that that my my clients and, and, and the people that, that use my services are the reason that I have a business and I need to focus everything around them. And I need to make sure that I'm not getting into a zone where I think that, you know, I'm 
or the business is better than any any client because at the end of the day if we're not meeting the demand and meeting the needs of the market then we're as a business we're you know we're gone and it's the same for any business so i think it, it gives you that that perspective of you know staying humble staying focused on on and you know and listening to what the market wants but also staying very confident in you know the, the service and the only way to really achieve that is to actually you know deliver on what you promise which i think is really really important um, but at the same time it's about consistently keeping an ear out to you know the, the market and customers and you know what they want and also taking on that feedback you know both good and bad you know if you get some really good feedback you know great don't let it you know don't let it go to your head just think, how can I, you know, how can I um, repeat that and recycle that and, you know, apply that again? And if you get some negative feedback, again, there's no need to get defensive around that. There's no need to, um, you know, to, to, to ignore it. It's actually really valuable. Um, a lot of the time, you know, sometimes it's not, but most of the time, you know, it's going to be something that you can actually look at, examine. And if you, you know, if you get a bit of negative feedback or constructive feedback, you can look at that and think, okay, you know, what really is going on here? Is this valid? Um, let's look into this deeper. Let's see if there is a way to, to, you know, improve on this. So I think it's just staying grounded. You know, it, it's confidence is absolutely crucial. But at the same time, um, you know, if you veer into that world of being too confident, too overconfident, uh, you get to a situation where, you you know, you don't listen and you don't kind of um, take on board what other people are, are hearing. And, and and then you land in a situation where you know, people don't want to want to work with you. you know, people won't want to work with someone who is uh, who doesn't listen. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, uh, I love that. I think that's spot on. So confidence without arrogance, uh, I on the opposite end, you know, arrogance with, with confidence, I guess you could say, because there's, there's possible to have unhealthy confidence, I guess. Um, I, I think of the, the, the strange example maybe, but as you were talking, it kind of emerged in my mind, the example of the, the playground bully mm. uh, who is uh, talking a good game, you know, in the sense that they're intimidating and they're able to form and shape people into what they want them to be. Like, I want your lunch or <laughs> I want you to not play on that playground equipment that I love or, mm. you know, whatever. Like they, they impose their will on other people. They can get things done. Uh, there are bullies in business as well. There are people who get things done uh, through sheer intimidation and uh in, imposing their you know anyway just all the playground bully approach yeah it is possible to have some success being the playground bully why not then you know what, what's the counter argument for uh obviously that what you illustrated is what i agree with but i'm playing devil's advocate a little bit sure. here and saying like why not go that path and just take the imposing my will on you kind of an approach yeah that's a good question i mean i think when you take that approach, you know, you can have, you can have success, you know, and you can get to a point where, you know, you maybe, um, you know, you maybe win. It's kind of like, it reminds me of that thing where it's like you win, you can win an argument, but you'll lose the war kind of thing. Right. So if you, if somebody, you know, comes with a complaint to your business and you, you know, completely shut them down and just tell them, you know, I'm not listening to this, you know, you get out of the way then, you know, you've, you've lost a customer, right? Or you've, you've lost a client or, you know, for whatever reason that that person is now, you know, kind of basically against you and uh, is not an advocate for you. They might leave you a bad review, you know, if you have a, you know, a small business, you know, whatever that may be. Um, if you can actually approach that with a, you know, with a listening ear, um, empathize with them, 
tell them that you know you understand it and then say look i understand you know where you're coming from give them your perspective and come to a you know an, an agreement around that then you know you're in a situation there where you've kind of you know you've diffused the situation probably uh, you have won them over to a point where they may do business with you they may give you referrals you know they they if you can actually turn a you know a bad situation into a good situation then you can you know you, you can turn things around definitely and i think that's uh you know that's what's you know you may well win the um, you know get the quick win essentially by um you know bullying someone into doing something but and it goes the same for you know your your people you know your employees right if you if you want them to do something and you say right do this or i'm going to fire you yeah yes they're going to do it right but then they're going to very shortly after leave your company you're going to have to hire someone new you're going to have to pay you know new cost for recruitment they're going to leave you you know rubbish review on on Glassdoor or whatever the you know the um review site is for jobs and it's just not you know it's it's not worth doing in the long run so i think that's probably a, a good example of how you know you can use those tactics to uh to, to get what you want quickly but long term it's just not sustainable absolutely yeah and i think the other thing that stands out to me just as i try to think through that uh, building on your great response is that the bully is almost always lonely and afraid at the end of the day, right? Oftentimes, you know, the literal playground bully typically has a very sad life at home. Mm. Uh, they don't have love. They don't have friendship uh, in a true sense. Uh, and I think that applies in business bullies. I don't know. I don't know why I got off on this bully thing, but <laughs> anyway, uh, as well, that again, as you illustrated so nicely, if we really want to have a sustainable set of relationships around us, employees that are loyal and kind of building on the example you gave rather than like, oh man, this, this boss is really kind of a bully. I'm out of here. Rather it's uh, I'll do anything for this person because I, I, I know, like, and trust them and I'm willing to be loyal to them, even at personal sacrifice. Like that, that's definitely the more abundant path yeah. uh, and the path that leads to, I think, true happiness. So anyway, just so grateful for what you've uh, illustrated there so nicely. Um, Wrapping up then, I mean, as you think about uh, the action side of things, what can listeners do as they listen to our conversation? What stands out for you that you might present as somewhat of a, an action challenge that people can uh, go and immediately apply to be better as individuals and as leaders? Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. Spence. This conversation went a slightly different way to where I even expected it to go in the beginning. You know, I think we talked a lot about, you know, mindset to be honest i think a lot of it is about mindset uh, you know how we react to you know or respond to situations that um you know that occur in in day-to-day -day life essentially you know whether that's in business or in or in you know your personal life and i think that the biggest one for me is you know always having that growth mindset in terms of if something happens you know think how can I turn this into a positive because there's literally no escaping challenges in, in business or in life. Right. So we're going to come across challenges pretty much on a daily basis. If you run a business uh, or if you're a leader, you know, there's going to be, you know, you're dealing with people and people are not predictable and there's always going to be, um, you know, challenges to, to overcome. So as long as you can kind of approach every single challenge with a mindset of, how can I turn this into a positive? Um, that could literally be just sorting the situation out, learning from it, and then knowing how to approach it better the next time. 
I think that is that's a win in my book. You know, even though it's not a fun experience dealing with a you know a people challenge or a business challenge or a you know even something like you know COVID, so like a challenge that no one can actually control. What can you learn from that situation to to you know to make it better? And like for example, with COVID, yes, you know it's been it's been terrible for so many people, and it's it's you know even in the lockdowns, you know. Nobody has enjoyed the lockdowns, but at the same time, you know, how many more people have reconnected with nature, have spent more time with their families? You know, there is, you know, there is a positive to be seen even from really bad situations. So I think, to be honest, that mindset piece is, uh, you know, it's a real building block for whether, you know, whether you're running your own business, whether you're, you know, running your own family, you know, whatever that is, um, you know, it's crucial. Well said. Yep, I love that. So Cameron, how can people connect with you, uh, with both with your company as well as uh, with you personally, if they, if they want to get in touch? Sure, absolutely. So if you want to connect with me, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the, the main place to find me. So uh, yeah, Cameron Scott, uh, Outpace Group on LinkedIn. So yeah, feel free to connect with me. Uh, always happy to have conversations with people. Um, if you are a, you know, a coach or a consultant uh, and you're looking to build your pipeline, of course, you know, we can have a conversation around that. More than happy to, um, you know, to bounce ideas if that's something you want to explore. We haven't really talked much about that today, but um, you know, I know that it's it's tough sometimes to find trustworthy partners. So you know, we can always have a conversation to see if there's a fit. But yeah, LinkedIn is is the place to find me. And then also, if you visit our website outpacegroup.com, uh, we have a, a free ebook on there. So if you want to just explore a little bit more about kind of how we can support you as a um, you know as a coach or consultant, then feel free to uh, to download that, and that just gives you some insight into what some of our clients have done to be successful in uh, in growing their pipeline. Wonderful. That's awesome. And we'll make sure to put those details in the show notes as well. So it's easy for people to click or uh, visit the visit a couple of those relevant links. And I do want to kind of add on a little bit here at the end, because you, you mentioned that uh, we didn't get to talk too much about the, the unique way you're approaching the work that you do. And one of the things that stood out to me in our planning conversation, there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of uh, companies out there, and I hear from a lot of them, I'm sure a lot of listeners do or have at least in the past, of suggesting that they can help grow a consulting or coaching practice through LinkedIn messages. And most of them seem to be focused on volume, like just, you know, the, the rule of average law of averages, I guess you could say, you know, if you send 10,000 messages, somebody's bound to respond, kind of an idea. Um, LinkedIn recently changed a policy, a pretty important policy <laughs> that basically makes that impossible, but it didn't hurt you. Uh, in fact, it helped in some ways. So I, do you want to go there at all? Do you want to talk about that for just a second? Because I think it's really powerful what, what you've uh, what what you're doing to what you've already been doing so that when that change happened, it wasn't detrimental to your business. Sure. No, absolutely. More than happy to, to go there. So I think, you know, what's important for us in, you know, in business development is creating connections with people. Right. So having, you know, a, a connection based on service. I think the the problem that I see in, in today's world with, you know, in, in kind of the business development space in general is everybody wants what they want, right? So they, they want to take, you know, they want, you know, people to to buy their buy their services, they want people to book calls with them, they want people to sign up to this, sign up to that. They don't actually think, you know, what can I give? You know, what value can I offer up front? So just that simple switch in, you know, going to the market and giving value. And, you know, that can be in the form of, you know, um, you know free um 
free products, you know, free like like the ebook, for example. That's that's one example. But it can also just be in the form of you know connecting with somebody and knowing ahead of time, you know, I know what your challenge is, or I know what I think your challenge may be, and I want to help you solve that. And if you want to have a conversation about solving that challenge and just getting into the you know in, into what we can do together to help you with that, then you know, let's do that. If you don't, that's absolutely fine. And I hope that, you know, I can be of some value to you in the future. But I think what we find is just by approaching the market in a way where we just have service at mind, where we literally just want to explore people's challenges and see if there is a way for us to solve them. That kind of puts us differentiated to, you know, so much of the market who it's all about, you know, what can I what can I take from you? Um, you know, what will you pay me basically instead of, you know, how can I actually give value first before we talk about, you know, doing business together. And yes, it's about doing business. Yes. It's about solving challenges. That's, you know, that, that's the world that we're in. And then, you know, it's about adding value in that way. But I think there's a way to do that where we can actually um, approach in a way that is much more value orientated instead of what we can kind of get from people. Think about what, what can we give up front to, to get what we want. And it's kind of, I think mean, a good quote to end that on is um, kind of an old school sales guy uh, called Zig Ziglar, who um, basically has a quote along the lines of, you know, if, if you, if we can figure out to give people, you know, exactly what they want, then we can have, you know, anything that we want. So it's, it's a bit of a, you know, I probably butchered that quote a little bit, but getting to the crux of it is about, you know, help people get what they want and you can be successful. And for me, that's what business is all about. It's about, it's about service. It's about helping people. It's about solving challenges. And that's how you grow a business. Well, I love that we included this in the conversation because I think it's really important. Um, I, I think I, I've once heard it put uh, just simply as givers gain, like givers, those who give gain. Um, also, the, kind of the way that I boil down or that I'm thinking about what you just talked about is, is an abundant service mindset compared with kind of a selfish taker's mindset mm. uh, again, somewhat, maybe somewhat ties back into our bully conversation. Like the, the bully approach is more the, the selfish taker uh, and the giver that ultimately gains the most uh, ironically is the one who has that mindset of abundance and giving and adding value before any type of exchange of funds or, you know, a, a, a client, a formal relationship, I guess you could say. So it sounds like you've really built your company uh, on that principle in a lot of important ways. And that's in large part, uh, in addition to just the fact that you're great and motivated and, and amazing, that's a uh, large part why you've succeeded. Really appreciate that, Spence. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I'm so grateful for you, Cameron. This has been a, a fun conversation. Thanks so much for joining me here. Hopefully, maybe we could... Uh, Recheck back in uh, down the road a bit and, and see what's going on with you and maybe create an episode two, uh, a part two of our conversation. 100%. I would very much enjoy that. Well, thanks for your time today, Spence. My pleasure. So good to have you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Exploring Leadership Podcast. To access free videos, leadership tools, case studies, tutorials, and more about how to engage your leaders at the next level, visit lumenleader.com. We'll see you next time.